0: It makes immigration applications easy by allowing the clients to provide information through simple online questionnaires that are shareable by text or email and available in multiple languages. Not only that, Docketwise provides a comprehensive group of case management features, including invoicing and calendaring, secure messaging, task management, and a lot more. You can learn all about Docketwise and receive a 10% discount on your subscription by heading to docketwise.com slash immigration review so they know we sent you. And as always, this show does not constitute legal advice and has no bias other than to keep you up to date and to enable you, my dear colleagues, to excel in court. So, without further ado, let's start the review. Another week with only two cases. Although this week I didn't have to reach into my bag of tricks. And so, with only two cases, here's some important news from the ABA. The American Bar Association's Immigration Justice Project is one of the most important immigration nonprofits in San Diego. I worked with IJP after I finished with the San Diego Immigration Court many years ago, and I'm proud to support this project of the American Bar Association by serving on the Commission on Immigration. IJP provides no-cost legal representation to those in need of immigration removal defense here in the San Diego region. They represent and provide pro bono assistance to asylum seekers, refugees, families, survivors, and those with mental health issues who are facing deportation. Most of their clients are in ICE detention. No easy feat here at the Southwest border. To date, they have represented and supported people and families from over 40 countries who speak over 28 languages. And wouldn't you know it, IJP will soon celebrate 15 years of its arduous and rewarding work. Its 15th Crystal Anniversary Celebration will be on Thursday, November 9th at a very hip venue in North Park, San Diego. You can register to attend the November 9th celebration via the link in the show notes. And even if you can't attend, please consider donating to IJP. Barring travel for court, I'll be there. Hope to see you too. And actually, while I'm talking ABA, if you're interested in another podcast, the ABA Young Lawyers Division and Commission on Immigration was just featured on the Young Lawyers Rising podcast, represented in that interview by attorney Stephanie Baez. The episode includes how, for example, young lawyers who dive into immigration might find themselves helping large corporations attract workers from other countries, or working for a nonprofit helping immigrants apply for asylum as protection against dangers in their home countries. All the things immigration lawyers do. Thinking Immigration. Check out the episode, Immigration Law, from corporate visas to pro bono. Link, of course, in the show notes. Our first case, Kemukai v. U.S. Attorney General, published by the 11th Circuit on October 2nd, 2023. Greetings, 11th Circuit. It's been a minute. This case is about theft offenses and particularly serious crimes. Mr. Kemukay is a lawful permanent resident from Sierra Leone. He received that status in 2001 and did not naturalize afterwards. And in 2018, he pled guilty to armed robbery in violation of Massachusetts General Laws Chapter 265, Section 17, and he was sentenced to two years of supervised release. He then violated that and served a year and a half in prison. DHS alleged that it was a theft aggravated felony in violation of INA Section 11843G, a theft offense, for which the term of imprisonment is at least one year that would mean that Mr. Kemokai is removable. He argued he wasn't, and he moved to terminate his removal proceedings. An immigration judge denied that, and then found that the crime was a particularly serious crime that barred Mr. Kemokai from everything except Convention Against Torture Deferral, which the IJ also then denied. The BIA affirmed. Why, you ask? You'll have to wait. Two things at issue before the 11th Circuit first. Is the conviction an aggravated felony theft offense? Well, it's not if in Massachusetts someone could get convicted of armed robbery through both a taking with consent in addition to a taking without the victim's consent. Like, say, a robbery through tricking the victim to give up the property? Such an offense does not likely match the generic federal definition of theft under long-standing precedent. And really, the 11th Circuit might have the most non-citizen-friendly precedent on that issue. Vassal v. U.S. Attorney General, published by the 11th in 2016. Use it all the time. The problem for Mr. Kemmo Case at the 11th Circuit here is that the Massachusetts Armed Robbery Statute does not permit a taking through trickery or fraud. It requires a non-consensual taking. You know, like a regular robbery when you think about it, give me your money or else. Specifically, the statute reads that quote, "Whoever being armed with a dangerous weapon, assaults another and robs, steals, or takes from his person money or other property which may be the subject of larceny shall be punished by imprisonment End quote." That statute in case law interpreting it makes clear that a conviction requires a showing of an intent to steal, and that it does not permit a conviction through consensual trickery takings. It requires force or putting a victim in fear. That's not consensual. And so, it meets the federal definition of an aggravated felony theft offense. Mr. Kemokai, of course, knew what the statute said. But he argued that because the statute incorporates Massachusetts larceny, it did in fact permit conviction through a consensual taking like trickery or fraud. Something that simple Massachusetts larceny indeed does allow. So it's a good argument. But, explained the 11th Circuit, the Massachusetts Supreme Court has made clear that in cases of armed robbery, the larceny incorporated into that conviction is not larceny through trickery, but all the other kinds, the ones requiring force or threat of force. It is, after all, an armed robbery statute. Heady stuff, though. That all means to the 11th Circuit that it's an aggravated felony which means that Mr. Kemokai is removable and it also means that his crime is a per se particularly serious crime for asylum purposes and yet the case is still going back to the BIA and likely the immigration judge on withholding of removal because the crime is not a per se particularly serious crime for withholding of removal purposes because Mr. Kemokai did not serve at least 5 years in prison That's INA Section 241B3BII that we're always talking about with that requirement, by the way. The conviction might be a particularly serious crime, or it might not be. The IJ needed to apply the matter of NAM analysis to see whether it is, or whether it's not. And that case requires an analysis, among other things, of whether Mr. Kemokai is a danger to the community because of his conviction. Again, maybe he is, maybe he's not. The problem is to the 11th Circuit here is that the IJ and the BIA categorically excluded any consideration during the matter of NAM analysis of Mr. Kamokai's mental health issues. Undiscussed in this decision, but apparently they're there. They must exist, actually, because oil agreed that remand was warranted for this purpose, too, that is, consideration of Mr. Kemokai's mental health issues in the matter of NAM analysis to determine whether his armed robbery conviction showed that he was a danger to the community, such that he has been convicted of a particularly serious crime. Why remand for this and get so complicated? Because at the time the IJ decided this matter, matter of GGS prevented IJs from considering mental health issues as a factor in the particularly serious crime analysis. That didn't make sense to a lot of people, including Attorney General Garland, who vacated GGS in matter of BZR, episode 107 which means Mr. Kemokai's mental health issues are back on the table and indeed must be considered during the particularly serious crime analysis. Good luck, everyone. And here's a bit more. By the way, before getting to all that, the 11th Circuit recognized, as all courts have, that the Supreme Court's Santa Zacarria decision vacated its prior precedent and that now, a failure to exhaust arguments below, that is, for example, a failure to bring an argument before the BIA that you're now bringing before the 11th Circuit, is not jurisdictional, but is instead a claims processing rule that the 11th Circuit need not enforce. Santa Zaccaria continues to have very interesting tentacles. Not for nothing, too, the 11th Circuit seems to be rejecting oil's increasingly narrow view of exhaustion, and held in this decision that even if Mr. Kamokai didn't bring the exact same arguments that he's bringing before the 11th Circuit, before the BIA, quote, at bottom, he presents the same core argument here that he raised before the immigration judge in the BIA, that his conviction does not constitute an aggravated felony, end quote. Not the strictest of exhaustion requirements. Rock on, circuit warriors. And that is Kamokai v. U.S. Attorney General. And now, a brief message from John Kosravi and the immigration lawyer's toolbox. Through the voice of me. My buddy John Kostravi and his Immigration Lawyers Toolbox has another course coming up. It's a live marriage and fiancé visas and I-751 course. It's six to seven weeks, two hours every Friday, beginning October 13th. Coming up. The course includes a comprehensive overview of immigration law and the system, detailed review of INA Section 212 and 245 adjustment, deep dives into consular processing and affidavits of support, everything about K-1 visas and I-751 basics, overviews and understanding of sample contracts and initial consultation outlines, and insights on technology and operations behind a successful law firm. John does it all. Link to sign up in the show notes. Our final case is Nario Perez Garland, published by the Seventh Circuit on October 3rd, 2023. This case is about the Guatemalan government's ability and willingness to protect individuals of Mayan ancestry. Mr. Nario is from Guatemala and is of Mayan ancestry. She sought admission with her minor daughter at the U.S.-Mexico border in 2016 and was placed in removal proceedings, where she applied for asylum, with, of course, her minor daughter as a derivative applicant. The claim was based on a fear that her partner's nephew, Walter, would harm her if they returned to Guatemala. Her partner is the father of her child, and they lived together in Guatemala for a while. He left Guatemala, likely for the United States, but it's unclear, But Miss Nario and their child remained behind with his family. Her partner's nephew, Walter, didn't like this at all, and started discriminating against Miss Nario because of her Mayan heritage, calling her inferior and saying that she was muddying his bloodline. He said terrible things to her and tried to sabotage the relationship. Then he started harming her and attempting to harm her physically in 2015. He tried to hit her with his motorcycle, and in 2016, shot at her with a rifle, calling her, quote, stupid Indian, end quote. I cannot help but note, on Columbus Day of all days, that Indians live in India, making Walter, in fact, the stupid. Take that, Walter. Anyway, Miss Nereo went to go live with her family, but Walter continued to harass and threaten to harm her, and even shot at her family. Walter then filed a false police report against Miss Rio which was actually resolved in the legal system with both promising to quote leave each other alone end quote Walter of course violated that stalking Miss Rio and even pulled a gun on her Miss Rio obtained a protective order in Guatemala still fearful though she fled 4 days later All of this apparently infuriated Walter Miss Nerio testified that he'd tried to kill her if she returned to Guatemala. He had already attempted to kill another woman, in fact, and he kept threatening Miss Narillo and her family. An immigration judge believed Miss Nerio and quote, that she suffered harm rising to the level of persecution, and that the harm was on account of Miss Nario's Mayan ancestry, end quote. Almost everything required for asylum. So close. But the IJ held that Miss Rio had not established the final element, that the Guatemalan government was unable or unwilling to protect her. She had, after all, received that protective order. And she had not reported everything to police. Maybe if she had, they could have helped her, reasoned the IJ, the BIA affirmed. And the Seventh Circuit didn't believe it so wrong as to require reversal. Now, it seemed to Ms. Narillo that the IJ applied a heightened standard on unable or unwilling, and actually required that Ms. Rio show that the Guatemalan government or police condoned or were helpless to protect her. The IJ did use these words at least one time in the IJ's decision. But elsewhere, the IJ referenced the different and generally lower unable or unwilling to protect standard that applies to asylum and withholding of removal claims. Unable or unwilling to protect on the one hand, and then condoning and complete helplessness on the other hand, are different standards, explained the 7th Circuit, and the IJ would have been totes wrong to apply the condoned standard, which generally applies in the Convention Against Torture context. All that being said, the 7th Circuit doesn't believe that that's what the IJ did here. So the IJ didn't mess up. But were the police unable or unwilling to help Miss Nurio? Yes, she fled quickly after getting that protective order, but she testified that she did so because the Guatemalan police are corrupt, and it would have been futile to get them to help protect her, especially after all that had happened with Walter already. The Seventh Circuit made clear that it was taking Ms. Narillo's claims seriously, but didn't find it compellingly incorrect to hold, as it has in the past and as the IJ appeared to hold here, that it is, quote, reasonable, even in cases of extreme violence, to expect asylum seekers to have sought help from the authorities, end quote, first. Ms. Narillo didn't report all the harms and threats, and when she did at the end, the Guatemalan government issued that protective order, and then she fled. Quote, indeed, the IJ regarded the protective order as a significant legal penalty, given Walter's reportedly angry response to it. End quote. The Seventh Circuit explained that this was not like the Sixth Circuit's very favorable decision in Antonio v. Barr, published in 2020 and discussed on Episode 4, which also involved a Guatemalan woman of Mayan descent. In that case, explained the Seventh Circuit, Ms. Antonio, quote, presented evidence that her assailant violated a government-issued restraining order and was undeterred by a fine and that the police twice failed to respond when she sought help from them. End quote. The Seventh Circuit wanted that and more in this case. Meaning Miss Nario came very close but lost her case. And that is Nario Perez Vigarlin So there you have it. You're all caught up with the past week's published immigration cases. I'm Kevin A. Gregg, a partner with the law firm Kurzban, Kurzban, Tetzeli & Pratt, and this has been another episode of Immigration Review. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please share it with a friend and rate and review us. Each review helps new listeners find the show. And of course, subscribe to Immigration Review wherever you get your podcasts. If you like what we do and want to become a patron of the show, please check out our Patreon page at www.patreon.com forward slash immigration review, or click on the link in the show notes. And if you're interested in an official Immigration Review CLE certificate, email me at kgreg at kktplaw.com with your full name and the episode numbers for the 10 shows you've listened to. Also, Feel free to email me with questions, comments, or anything at all, and follow the show on Instagram and Facebook, at Immigration Review, or send us a tweet, at ImReview, that's I-M-M Review. I'll be back next Monday for a brand new discussion. Until then, I'm Kevin A. Gregg, bringing you the Immigration Review.